This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, from the great state of Michigan, we have Mr. Jason Verlindi from Verlindi Insurance Agency. What's up, brother? Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. and uh, Got a wonderful, almost a fall-like day here today. We're only in the upper 60s and sunny. There you go. Uh, so it's a... It's a nice Upper break 60s. from some hot and humidity last week. Dude, it was like 98 uh, it actually got down to yeah, it's 46 like, last night. It's so. like 98 when I got up at 3 o'clock this morning. Mm. And it's – I mean, my friends says, out in Arizona, It like, feels man, like, like 108. Yeah, everybody in Arizona is like posting. It's like almost 120 in Phoenix over the weekend. It's crazy. But, it's a, but it, that's a dry heat, yeah, though. There is no such thing as a dry thermometer, okay? You know, <laughs> I don't care what... Now, I will say it's easier to breathe in 120 there than when it feels right. like 120 here because yeah. you're, like, literally walking in a steam room. Kyle, right. before you got on, I told Jason it was, like, when I... Back in the day when I had to wear a suit and tie every single day, Ugh, I would literally worst. look like Bruce Pearl from the time I got to, from my <laughs> front door to my car. I would be completely sweat through my suit. So, love Bruce I'm, Pearl. Guy's yeah. a maniac. He yeah. He we is. did a uh, we did a long weekend once in Sanibel Island. Ooh, nice. The middle or end of August Ooh. and. It was brutal. I mean, you couldn't, you would look like Bruce Pearl in the ocean. You were sweating. I mean, it was, you know, there was so, no relief. Right. No relief. It is a little bit better on the coast. That's why I, I lived in Orlando for a year and I noticed that out there, the, the winter was way colder and the summer was way hotter because there was just no breeze from the Gulf at all. And it was, I mean, it, it was bad. I, I was riding around in the, uh, in the Kia Sorento with no AC one summer for like, for like three weeks. And I mean, that was, that was selling quill. And I had, you know, we wore like suit and tie and all that. And I'm just driving around, you know, sweating my ass off in the front seat, banging heaters. It was amazing. Oh gosh. I can't even imagine, man. It's uh, <laughs> it, well, I mean, the problem is too, like we have a heater in our pool, and I told Annie, like, we got to shut that off, period, because it's not – I oh. mean, we just you just need to lower not the thermometer. It's never going to come on. Um, right. But we were in the pool last night, man, and the water in the pool was 89. And I'm thinking, <sighs> it's still not even July yet. It's going to be over 90. It'll be like 91, 92, which is great in December, but <laughs> yeah. not in the summertime, man. It's it's the worst. Wow. Going out, cutting the grass, thinking you're going to jump in the pool and get relief, and then you jump into and a bath. And then it's like tub. a bath, right? It's you need a pool. Is that just is it that yeah. hot from from just the heat, or is it from you know having the heater on over the no, you know? It, it, yeah. It's just the heat. It's because it's been off for a few weeks now. But I mean, they basically tell you that whatever the Gulf temperature is, you can go look at that, and that's pretty much going to be what your pool temperature is. So. The hmm. Gulf's in the mid-80s right now. I mean, 85, 86 in the summer is kind of where I like it. But, you know, it's amazing how much one degree, like fe- how, how much you can feel yeah. one degree. It, mm-hmm. it blows my mind. So, Jason, anyhow, enough about all of that. Talk a little bit about um, what's your story, man? Where, where, How did you get into the insurance industry? Talk a little bit about your agency, and then we'll, we'll get cracking. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously, you can tell from the name of the agency, uh, and I did not start it. It was a, a family business, not unlike um, a lot of other agencies in this country, although mine was a little bit different path. My father uh, started, I was only two years old, but he started with Farm Bureau uh, and then switched to a cap or to a uh, independent agency probably after about 12 years. And then the opportunity to purchase this agency came up. Um, I, again, like everybody else, never really thought I'd end up in the agency. I didn't know a lot about insurance or his job other than I knew it allowed him to come to all the stuff that I was doing as a kid. You know, he never missed a basketball game, never missed a baseball game, Mm -hmm. which was cool. But during that whole time of growing up, he was working for someone else. So it was not really a... um, you know, he never thought, hey, when you get of age, I want you to join me kind of thing. Um, I went away to college, got a degree in uh, management information systems. That a boy. kind of like. How old are you? I am 46. So I'm, 40, 46. I'm 47, and that was like the major that they were pushing when we yeah. were coming out of high school. And yeah. yeah, and I'm thinking, as soon as you said that, I'm like, okay, this guy's got to be my age because I had to take – Pascal, Fortran, COBOL, all of these completely obsolete computer languages now, and it did miserably in all of them, which is, you know, why I do what I Par do. Par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. After my uh, sophomore year of college, I got a part time job working at a um, power conditioning equipment manufacturer, and I was working in their service department, and I was selling maintenance contracts, which Looking back, I mean, shit, I was selling insurance. Yeah. I didn't know it at the time, but I was calling their customer base and saying, you know, hey, you have this piece of equipment for, you know, $1,500 a year. You get a preventative maintenance visit and, you know, 24-hour response, all on-call service, free parts, free labor, things like that. Basically, an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about it, and I loved it. So I kind of transitioned at that point in that MIS degree to take as little of the programming courses as I could and as many of the business courses that I could. Um, so I really feel like I didn't even, when I graduated, I feel like I wasn't even prepared for that traditional mm-hmm. management information systems job. Uh, and I worked there until I was, so through college, kind of worked my way up, got out of the service department and I was in the sales department. I was a, um, Eastern United States regional sales manager. So then I kind of took the role of almost what we would see as a marketing rep for our insurance companies. Um, They sold through manufacturers reps, independent agencies, basically. And I would travel the eastern part of the country and wine and dine them. I didn't shit. I hardly knew anything about the product. I couldn't fix it. I kind (laughs) of knew what it did, but that really wasn't what I was there for. Mm -hmm. Um. And that promotion came basically on the eve of our wedding, uh, and it meant I was out of town every other week, the full week. So that was great. Hey, honey, Mary, now I'm traveling. Um, That's awesome. I got laid off on the eve of my wedding, so... There's that. <laughs> yeah, I, I will never forget, dude. I will never I, dude, forget that. Dude, I was that. so pissed, bro. I was like, "What well, the fuck, man?" But, but I mean, my whole, but my whole thing was this: like, what a perfect storm of events that whole thing was. You know, we were sitting. I was sitting. It. I had bought a table for a nonprofit that I was helping do fundraising for. And then, so I invited several clients and then there was a guy that Kyle and I both knew that worked with him at his prior employer that I knew was out. He had already been downsized and was out on his own. So I was kind of like, let me see if I can help this guy out. I'll get him in a room with a couple hundred business owners. This is before I knew any better. Right. And got him. um, (laughs) Yeah. He had a very short tenure at Florida Risk, um, but got him uh, in front of these people. And as we're sitting there talking, I'm like, hey, man, what's going on with Kyle? Like, I really liked that guy. He was my rep at Co-Advantage. I'm like, what is he going to be safe? He's at, he's, and he said, no, you actually should reach out to him. Um, I think he just got let go yesterday or, or got laid off or it whatever was like, yesterday. Yeah. And, I'm, and I told <laughs> like him, like, the well, next give, day. 
I said, it's funny you mentioned that. I said, because I sent him a couple texts just to see how he was doing, and I never heard back. And I said, that was literally like the day before. I said, so what's his what's his cell number? So he gave me Kyle's cell number, and I said, hey, man, we need to connect. If you, if you don't have a job right now, we need to connect. I can probably help you in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And I was more thinking along the lines, I could at least get him introduced to somebody somewhere. And so... <laughs> He immediately writes back and says, well, I'm getting married tomorrow and I'm going to be in Thailand on my honeymoon for two weeks. Can we do it when we when we come back? And I'm like, yeah, we can we can absolutely do that. But I, I look back now and I'm just like, holy crap, like that was just mm -hmm. so happenstance that I was in the right place at the right time. Yep. The rest is history at this point. Right. But yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I did that for a couple of years. My father purchased. Uh, an agency here in Richmond where my office is today from a, a couple of gentlemen that were retiring and, um, you know, the traveling thing was getting old and he asked me to come and help out. So that was in 99. So I guess I've been at it for about 22 years. Um, my father actually passed away in 2014 mm. uh, at age 60. Um, cancer snuck up and got him. Mm. And so we kind of fast forwarded that, uh, you know, transition. We was always in the plans, just had to do it four or five years sooner than we hoped. Um, married, have five children, all adopted um, wow. from the three older ones are from Korea and the two younger ones are Chinese and they range kind of like you, David, I got a 19 year old and I got two six year olds. So that's really wow. cool, man. Um, I did not know that about you. A wide range of kids and uh, just living a life. The agency is, you know, your standard Main Street agency. We're probably 80, 20 personal commercial, uh, six employees, um, a good mix of real good regional carriers up here in Michigan. There's absolutely um, nothing wrong with that. And there are plenty of days where I wish it was kind of like the old Main Street agency here, especially when I'm getting texts from my account manager at like 645 this morning and only says, call me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. great. Here we go. And it was, you know what? She she was like all worked up because I have, I know this is tough for everybody to believe. I have a difficult client and um, this person no, is new to my book. Not of more business. than me. Yeah, no, you got you definitely take the cake there. New to my book of business, but just very, very hard headed and not like does not understand insurance and how things work. So this person every time it's like they they're, they own like five or six things. Every time we need to change something, you know, or make an endorsement, this lady thinks that the insurance company is going to issue her an entirely new policy. She does not understand how endorsements work. And I mean, there's like five or six emails going back and forth. And as I go and read back through them, I'm getting less and less patient with my explanation. But anyhow, so the, the short version of the story is we finally got exactly how I wanted this written. And Kim sends it over to me and said, here's the endorsement, blah, 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 blah. So I got them on my cell phone. I just flip it over. Now, I've now, mind you, I've told her no less than a dozen times. If you got, if you send me something that my client's waiting for, I'm just going to send it. So make sure that there's nothing in, well, we didn't do that. And so the entire email chain is in there going back and forth with, this is an extremely difficult client who doesn't understand insurance, blah, 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 blah. And, and so like, she's freaking out that I'm going to be upset. And I said, you know what? I don't even care at this point. Doesn't even matter. Uh, that's fantastic. I, you know. And the thing is, this is can one I of tell those you deals. that is like my number one fear. Like when I like when I'm going through emails, I would never and forward number chains. one. I would never forward anything you sent me without reviewing the entire thing <laughs> first, because there's a high likelihood that that conversation is going to be south of the border. It's but part of the reason it, why I don't. I try not to send stuff from my phone because it's harder for me to see and see who's on what. And so, like, I just have to go upstairs and get on my computer because I I'm like I have this massive fear that I'm going to send somebody some shit that they don't want to see. Well, and I mean, my thing was the very first piece of advice that I gave this person when they came to me was, let me refer you to an agent that would be better suited to help you. Like I knew this. True. So here's the learning lesson in all of this. I knew this wasn't my ideal prospect to begin with. It came from a referral source. Typically when I bend my rules, it's because it comes from a referral source. I want to make yeah, sure I protect tough. that relationship. And these guys are really good guys that, that send me, you know, quite a few things over the course of the year. And so I, I said, you know what? 
it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just deal with it. Well, it, again, you know, when I break my own rules, it always comes back to bite me. There's a reason I have them. And it's just been one thing after the other. And, and really the biggest thing that, that I've dealt with is she doesn't respect the fact that I have an account manager, right? Like everything has to come to me. And I just finally lost it like a week ago. And I said, <laughs> let me define my role in the organization to you so that you understand why I keep having Kim message you. She's the one who's going to get this done the quickest. She's the one that's going to get it done the most accurately. This is not what I do. I'm, I told you up front. I'm happy Did you send to her an you. org you're chart? Gonna have to, yeah, you're going to have to operate inside the framework of how we work, right? Right. I'm not I'm not going to be able to go request an endorsement from an underwriter through an agency management system when I'm on the road. Like, yeah. Come right. on, lady. So I yeah. need I need Kim an update on the current situation. Did she reply to these emails? Like, where do we stand well, no, right I'm, now? I'm still waiting I'm still waiting to see because this was late <laughs> yesterday afternoon and Kim hit me on text first thing this morning, but you know, I told her I'm like if I was really good at what Kim does, I wouldn't need Kim. I mean, I'm yeah. not. I suck. I'm a horrible account manager. You also wouldn't be an agency principal. <laughs> You'd be well, a service you know, person. But I think I think that's one of the things, man. We all have to know what our role is. And, you know, my role is to think of things on a much like grander scale than most, right? I have to have vision. I have to think about here's like the whole different like what the ideas that I actually execute start out as so much more in my head. Like I'd have been having a nationwide agency by now, you know, if it was based on what I was dreaming about five years ago. But, mm. you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's difficult for me to bring service people, you know, account managers, CSRs, whatever, into the organization and really be a good asset to them. Because I never worked a desk, man. I mean, yeah. I've I've only been in production, and that's the biggest that's the biggest weak spot that I have. And so Kim is extremely strong in that. And it's funny because every once in a while, she doesn't do it anymore. But when when we when I first had her, she she would say, "I feel like you're getting irritated with me. I feel like you're getting frustrated." And I would be, and I, I would tell her, "I'm like, I am. I'm getting very irritated and very frustrated with you." But you're doing exactly what I hired you to do. So just right. understand it's nothing personal. You have to continue. And I said, if I'm really to the point where like your job's in jeopardy or this is just not going to work, I will say, Kim, this is just not working. Let's talk about it. But if you just yeah. get that sense that I'm irritated, it's more that you're holding me accountable to do my job the way that I'm supposed to do it <laughs> as opposed to anything else. Because if it were me and Kyle, it'd just be the Wild West in here, man. We'd be slinging things. Sloppy. I mean- yeah, there's nobody that would ever underwrite our ENO if we didn't have some of the, no. the mother hens. I think that whole training of, you know, account managers is such a a hard thing for our industry in smaller agencies. You know, if I hire someone here, and like you said, number one, I'm not the best person to train them because I've never sat in that desk. Number two, I got a lot of shit going on. So it's not like you can just sit there and, you know, I don't have a person that can dedicate a whole day or and not that they I mean obviously several days mm -hmm. to train them accordingly I feel like it'd be a uh I know they have the total CSR and that kind of trains them on some of the the knowledge stuff but every agency operates processes different um it's it's a tough gig yeah Did we use mention total CSR we use total CSR actually I mean that's that has been a godsend for us um mm-hmm to be able to just take somebody and plug them in and get the basics, right? This is kind of like, this is how you, this is what an accord form is or whatever. I mean, I, right, I probably right. ought to go through it myself, to be honest, but um, that has been a good base point. But I mean, it's just like everything else, man. People, we, we all get frustrated. Um, I, and I say that this is a blanket statement. We probably all don't get frustrated. I'd say the majority of us do that. We want a tool like Total CSR, right? And then we expect those people to go through that program and come and do business exactly the way that we want it done. It's it's the same phenomenon that happens with people who get upset about virtual assistants not performing the way that they would want them to perform. You know, I don't care what VA company you use. 
you know, I think there's a place for them in in a lot of agencies. In some, there's not. And, you know, you don't have to have a VA to be an agency principal. I think that was a shiny object that a lot of people think. But, you know, the truth is, even the ones that are licensed and allegedly trained, they're trained in concepts in broad strokes. They're not trained in exactly how you do business in your agency. So why are you upset with a VA company or why are you upset with a training program or whatever else if, if these people don't come and hit the ground running? I mean, we, we went through this with our VA that does the calling and I feel like I went in with very realistic expectations. You know, we don't have him do any kind of clerical work or processing or anything. That may happen down the road, but I've got a pretty pretty much an endless supply of prospects for service positions here that I would rather just mm-hmm. be able to have yeah. in the office. Um, but I, I didn't expect him to be like up and running for at least a month because it's going to take that long to get him integrated into everything, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I feel like he we, we accomplished that. But I also understood that I needed to teach Marvin how to do things the way we want them done, not just – you know, set an appointment, book it, you know, book it on the calendar, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like we had to be very, very literal. And I mean, one of the one of the things that I've always been told that I'm good at and Kyle will probably snicker at this because I've gotten worse at it over the years. But I mean, back in my retail days, I was really, really good at training people on how to do things exactly the way that I wanted them done. And I spent the time, I gave them the why behind it and everything else. And then I, but I realized that if I took the time to do it the right way the first time, that I wasn't going to have to continue to train over and over and over. But a lot of those, a lot of those things that you were training them on were probably processes and, and procedures that, you know, were already in place at a company level. It wasn't something you had to develop and sit oh, down yeah. and take time to do. So that makes a huge difference. Right. I mean, here we've got a blank canvas. I mean, we're exactly. basically. Just building it, you know, and it's still, a, you know, as soon as you try to go and do something like that, you're going to get a call from, you know, x x customer and whatever, and, and have to deal with something different, and then well, it you gets know put on the shelf for a little bit. Yeah, you know how nearly impossible it is, you know, to to get me just to pick up the phone and call yeah. me during the day, right? And I don't. That's not um, by design. It's just I'm that busy. <clears throat> no, I was I was going to ask Jason. You know, you had mentioned some parallels between your previous career and in the insurance industry. I was wondering if that was something that you kind of picked up on after you transitioned into the insurance world or if it was something that you kind of had in mind and that's what helped you make your transition. I just kind of wondered what that journey looked like. No, I mean, you know, the transition really was after three years of traveling, you know, the first time you fly into, and I had a great territory. I mean, my I I was doing the rotation of Philadelphia, Pitts, well, Pittsburgh was okay, Philadelphia, New York City, Boston, mm-hmm. um, upstate New York, and I would rotate, you know, so it's I'm hitting those every six weeks. First time was great. Second time was really cool. Third time was okay. You're but, you know, like, after a few yeah. years, it's, yeah. And, you know, like I said, we got married. We were ready to start a family. The traveling thing was getting old, so the opportunity presented itself, and uh, and it worked out great. And we, uh, I got along, so I ended up working with my father. Let's see, ninety nine till, oh, he pretty much quote unquote retired in two thousand and twelve, so mm-hmm. thirteen years or so. Um, and we worked together great. We never had any of the, um, you know, father son issues that uh, I hear from a lot of other. You know, he would let me roll with whatever ideas I had. Um, yeah, this guy right here. And it was good. So it, it was really good. Nice. Um, and he, you know, kind of his path, it, it wasn't like he dropped dead of a heart attack one day. So he, you know, was diagnosed and had about a year and a half of really good, um, you know, quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the one thing that I really look up to him for is, well, a little little backstory. I mean, there's a little more of the story on the cancer, but basically at the time when he knew like, hey, this is going to get me, that was October of 2012. He called us on a Sunday. He said, Jason, what are you guys doing today? I got to come over and talk to you. I'm like, dad, you know, we had three kids at the time. I'm like, we got Little League. We got this. It's crazy. It ain't going to happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're busy. We're busy. And then he called me at about 830 that night and said, 
let me know when the kids are going to bed. Mom and I are coming over. And I'm like, ah, shit, here we go. So he had already had some cancer history. At that point, kind of knew it wasn't going to be good. And that was a Sunday. Came to the office on Monday. Him and I met Monday, Tuesday. He told the staff on Wednesday. And he was gone on Friday. Wow. Because he's like, I'm out of here. He's like, I don't. I don't know how much longer I have. And he ended up having a year and a half. But oh, although I love you mean I'm... gone to like go just enjoy life as much as yeah. you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not I was gone, like, gone. holy crap, man. That's, I mean, not not that there's no. anything to laugh about in that story, but good grief. I'm like, this guy had his like life expectancy dialed in. No, 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 no. He was gone well, as good, in man. I'm packing my desk and I'm going to enjoy life. Good for him. Um, and good, but he good was for still him there. He had the to... ability to do that. Right. Yes. Yeah, right. And it, it worked out great. And uh, and he was still there for that year and a half for me to bounce things off of um, kind of as a consultative, you know, role. But I mean, he missed dealing with his clients, with the customers, but all of the other BS of the business, mm-hmm. um, he didn't miss at all. So it was it was good. Nice. Mm. So going back to the training thing, I mean, I'm interested, man, if you if you didn't work a desk like I didn't work a desk, what's that look like in your agency? I mean, if you need to bring somebody on, now, I'm going to I'm going to guess you guys are established. You probably don't have a lot of turnover. I could be wrong, but um, let's just assume that you are correct. Yeah. So yeah, my shortest tenured employee right now is about five years. So yeah. So um, probably not the best question to ask. <laughs> I mean, if you're yeah. not having to deal with it. Um all right, so let's pivot on that. You deal a lot with regional carriers. We don't have that down here. Why don't you talk about what that's like versus the nationals and why it's important to have a good mix of both in your agency? Because I do think that that you need to have that, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think we're probably my agency at least is weak on the on the nationals. You know, I don't obviously you know I'm not a part of your killing commercial program, but I listen to a lot of the podcasts and and when you guys talk with that, you know, we're always looking for that BOR. Here it's that wouldn't really even work for me mm. that much because I have four regional carriers that you know ninety five percent of my business is with. Um, two of them. Uh, only write in the state of Michigan. You know, they, they won't even write outside the state of Michigan. Uh, and then we have auto owners, which, you know, is big everywhere. Uh, and another regional that is kind of, yeah, I don't know, Midwest, stay away from the coast, um, kind of a carrier. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's our mix here. I don't, and like I said, I don't have that, I don't have access um, direct access to some of those, you know, national carriers. Probably don't need them now. I mean, auto, listen, man, if you no, have auto no, owners, really you've got what you need. Yeah, no, we really don't need them other than the fact, like I said, if if you're, you know, trying to build that relationship and give them those value-added services up front and say, okay, here, sign here. Well, we're not really doing that because we're, for the most part, starting, you know, with the markets that we have. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we have auto owners and – I'm ecstatic that we have auto owners. I mean, that's yeah. a that that was a game changer for us for sure. Um, the, probably of our carrier mix, and I mean, not that we have bad relationships with anybody, but of our carrier mix, they are by far the one who's the most independent, uh, most invested in the independent channel. In my in my mind, I don't think there's yeah. anybody else who is more invested in independent agencies than than auto owners is. Yeah. No, I agree. And they, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when we like actually are able to go on trips and all of that other stuff because I've heard nothing mm-hmm. but just awesome stuff. Oh, yeah. In fact, I just texted my wife. We got the uh, and I don't we haven't even really talked about COVID. And I, it's kind of awesome because, you know, every time you meet with someone, you spend 20 minutes talking about COVID. Um, but we are fortunate enough to qualify for auto owners trips and they just announced we're supposed to, we were supposed to go to Switzerland last year. Yeah. Mm. And then it got bumped till this fall and we just got the email last week. You got to be vaccinated. Um, which you know how it is. You have wide ranges of opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm kind of that middle. Eh, well, I don't know. My wife's pretty much a hard no. So now it'll be a real interesting like social experiment to see what, and I think it'll be an interesting social experiment everywhere to see at what point is that carrot big enough 
to, you know, to jump in and change your mind on that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have, I just texted her, we have seven days to figure it out, um, on whether we're going to continue to go and, uh, take the needle in order to go to Switzerland or, uh, uh, my mom is very highly invested in this decision because she <laughs> uh, is, I'm sure, rooting for us to pass because I think I'll probably send her. Uh, so he, she has either stay home and help watch five kids or go to Switzerland. Right. So <laughs> I'm sure she wants us to pass. Um, but yeah, auto owners, the trips are great. We love the company. We've been, uh, we can track our history with auto owners all the way back to the 30s. Oh, wow. Through several different ownership, um, uh, you know, ownership situations here at the office. But. Hmm. That's crazy. So, yeah. and it's a little, I don't know how it is in Florida, but, you know, auto owners, because they are a Michigan company, um, it's, it's a pretty flooded market up here. I mean, they're not appointing new people or very few, maybe because of some acquisitions or mergers, but there's an auto owner's agent, you know, Pretty much in every little town across Michigan. Hmm. I don't, Kyle. Would you say it's flooded here? I don't. I don't feel like it's it's flooded. Not, I think they've got. No, good, I think they've no, got I, good I representation. Say, yeah, I, not not flooded, but I mean, it makes sense that they are up there. Um, but I mean, yeah. th- you know, th- I I agree. I mean, it, how long it took us to get that appointment process taken care of and all that. I mean, Two they're years. very. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it's a. You know, they're very particular. Yeah, yeah, and it's a relationship that we for sure value. And, I, and I'm very stubborn, so I wasn't giving up. And I think they finally realized that I wasn't going to go away. I just kept mm-hmm. the Chinese water torture and just turned it up, you know, the the intervals. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, if anything down here, I would say they probably have some appointments they need to clean up. If I if I were being yeah. honest, I think there's some that are that are sitting out there that are in stagnant older agencies that just aren't yeah. producing and, and the same here and you know i've had conversations with um our rep and you know i think they're they're pretty loyal too they are too well their, you, you know, know what so i will say this man when we got appointed my marketing guy told me he said people just don't lose their contract he goes you would have to do something really really egregious to lose an auto owner's contract you know right we vet so heavily coming in that you're just not going to lose it. You know, we want Mm -hmm. you to succeed. We, you know, number one, I want to make sure that my decision to appoint you is validated and I don't look bad too, but he said, we are a hundred percent on the, we're we're on the team now and we don't want to see anything happen that would damage that. So one of the reasons I reached out to you, man, is I remember the presentation and you, you chuckled over email when I, when I meant to mentioned this, but, um, that you did at innovation back in, in innovation 20 in Vegas about, how you use social media to engage your clients. And I don't remember if you said prospects or not, but this is an area where I think a lot of agencies are sort of sitting on the fence. You know, they don't, they don't know, should I engage with my clients and prospects and befriend them on social or should I not? And I'm of the mindset, I'm an open connector, man. If you want to connect with me, then have at it. You know, you can get entertained by the crazy stuff that happens with my family and everything else. But I, you know, what I tell a client about it is I want you to see the man behind the plan. You know, it's more than just the insurance piece of it. I want you to see that I have good core values. I want you to see that if you call me at seven o'clock on a Friday, that you're going to be taken away, taking me away from something with my family and my kids. That's important not to discourage that, but I want you to understand I'm not out at the bar getting hammered on Friday nights. I'm not, you know, doing things that aren't important to me. So talk a little bit about that and, and your philosophy. And you made the comment to me that you felt like you created expectations. You have a hard time yeah. living up to you now, but. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well, I, the premise of that talk, and I don't remember the exact title of it, but I think it was, you know, don't wait for per- perfection. You just have to do it. And it was more, you know, I talked a lot more about my agency marketing facebook present than my personal um and i do i don't hesitate from friending clients i don't go out of the way to quote unquote find them or request their friendship but i wouldn't i guess ignore them um that's kind of a double-edged sword because you see some of the stuff that they're doing that it's like oh my goodness this Mm -hmm. is 
you need to talk, which it can be good and bad. And you don't know when you reach out to them if they're going to be mad at you. Um, but, you know, it's our responsibility to protect them. So I see someone with their kids zipping around on a snowmobile up in here in the winter. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't think we insure a snowmobile. Um, so, you know, reach out and you realize if your kid wrecks that thing or kills somebody, you're going to be on the hook for it. Um, but to go back to that presentation, yeah, um, my premise on that whole social media thing is not the big plans. It's just roll with it. Um, some of the things that I showed, it was impromptu. We had some weird meteor hit here hmm. um, in Michigan, and it was like all over. Everybody, everybody heard it. Everybody saw it. And I grabbed my phone and went on the agency page and did a Facebook Live. And I'm in a hoodie and it's snowing and I'm outside and I'm talking about, you know, if your house got hit by a meteor, you know, you're going to call our call our agency and press one for the emergency number. And we're going to have people there first thing in the morning and explain why, you know, falling objects and nobody knows what it was and, you know, things like that. So that was kind of like what I call a news jacking you know try to find something that everybody's talking about anyways mm -hmm. and then pile on it um, by creating content around it um, in that presentation i used my daughter my at the time i think she was probably 14 she's 16 17 now um, example of you know i watch her take 50 pictures before it's one post <laughs> because yeah. she's got to get all you know, that perfect thing and, and number one, I don't have time to take 50 pictures and make it look perfect. And number two, it's just not real, right? I, I mean, anything that I put on our agency Facebook page, it's like what you said, David, I want them to see the real me, who they're dealing with. So it's, it's more impromptu stuff. But here's what happened. And like I had told you, that was great. I got asked to do that. And, and I didn't create any special content for that presentation. I looked back at all the stuff that I had done and talked about it. Well, then the mis and I shouldn't say the mistake I made because it wasn't a mistake, but I did regret it for a little while. At the very end of that presentation, my last slide was, hey, if you want to find me, here's where it is. OK, so I got blown up by insurance agency yep. owner friend requests, which was cool. But then deep down inside, I'm like, I literally felt like I had to live up to, I needed to keep it going and keep putting out good stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of got like my daughter where it's like, there's so many of these people watching and they're not even my clients and they're not prospects, they're peers in the industry. But I felt like I needed to live up to that. And it, it literally stifled my creativity because I was worried about the yeah, now, now it's like not yeah now now it's not imperfect anymore it's not authentic you're it's actually manufactured yeah, yeah. at that point yeah and I, and I really I mean I think if you you know if you go and you scroll back through our agency stuff there was a time there not long after innovation that it went silent because I was I was worried more about what to put out there um, interesting fast forward a year COVID hit um, and I jumped on pretty hard. And, you know, talked a ton about the, you know, and I'm sure like everybody else, we spent so many hours trying to decipher the rulings that were coming down from our governor. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was I kept changing waiting, every day. Like, I was waiting for the secret decoder ring to come so we could all know what we were <laughs> and weren't supposed to do and trying to guide my commercial clients through that Um through that process because the first thing we were getting calls was obviously we're shut down do we have business income coverage mm. well so the answer is no that was easy that's a short conversation mm -hmm. um but then, <laughs> then the, to try but the follow to follow up is well, ways, well why not you know yeah yeah but to try to think of ways mm -hmm. to to help them through that um and i did a lot of that on social media whether it was promoting local businesses and asking people to you know take the time to review them um to paying for pizza deliveries from a few local pizzerias, some clients, some not clients, where I'd pick up the delivery fee for the weekend if people wanted to order, um, you know. But yeah, that that I, I once talked to someone, and I won't mention their name, although I'm sure you guys know them, who went to whether it was an IAOA or 
I don't know, whatever it was. And this person left and almost had a panic attack because they were comparing themselves <laughs> to everybody else. Worst thing you can and, do. And was like, I can't handle this. Like, I feel inferior and I'm not doing it right. Um, you know, and I tried to tell them, I talked to them on the phone and I said, look at you, you got to realize this is, you know, number one, all the people up there are only showing you their very best. I, mm-hmm. Dude, I say wow. that all the time. Like, do you really yeah. think? So I, don't, I, I mean, I think we do a decent job of throwing some dirty laundry out every now and again. But I mean, that that's the problem. Two idiots in a microphone can have a podcast. It doesn't mean that we run yeah. a perfect business, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You have to realize that they struggle with things, too. Um and I didn't have any problem with that. I realize it. But then when I was the guy on the stage, it was that same thing that trying to live up to that expectations. Um, but yeah, just be real. Um, you, you very rarely will see anything, um, you know, really scripted or, you know, edited highly that I do. And then the only other thing that I wanted to touch on, and this goes back prior to IAOA, I was at a, a brand camp. Um, I don't know. It might have even been before you were in the business, David. Just one time it was at Brand Camp. <laughs> Dude. Brand Camp. You knew it was coming. <laughs> Not Band Camp. <laughs> brand Camp. No uh, no flutes were <laughs> Brand Camp. Um, but I had met someone at Brand Camp who was um, a vendor per se that was managing social media accounts. I think we found and the title for this episode. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this goes back a while and, and I hit it off with her. I felt like, um, you know, we were on the same page. We had the same personality and I hired her to manage our Facebook page here at the office. Um, and uh, she's not, they're not even in business anymore. And it went great for about three weeks when it was her. Cause I felt the stuff she was putting out, could have come from me mm-hmm. and then it got switched to someone she worked with and that was the moment i decided i'm not farming that out um, it's tough man yeah it really I'm is not farming it out because i don't feel like if i read it i want it to feel like it came from me or someone in the agency so um, yeah. i've got i've got my hands in too many different things for me to handle all of it myself or internally at this point so I do use little dog social media to handle the Florida risk partners, like basic stuff. And I think they do a really good job at that. Like if somebody goes to my Facebook page, does it have current posts on it? Yes, it does. Does it look like we're a a viable and going concern? Yes, it does. And so how I use them because it is so economical to have them manage and be consistent with it. I sprinkle in my own stuff in between everything they're doing, and I think it yeah. gives it a, a good mix that way. The problem is, if I were to have to, if I were to do everything myself, it would just be an absolute so, miserable disaster. Well, that and it'd be yeah, and mine's time probably a miserable disaster too. So. Yeah, no, but I mean, you know, I've got the podcast, I've got Killing Commercial, now we got this crap with the protege that we're putting out. Like, my whole first two hours of getting to the office today was nothing but getting stuff out onto social. Now, there are some cool tools out there that I've been using. Um, Lately AI is one of them. It's it's pretty neat where you can take a link to your blog post, put it in, and it'll auto-generate the micro posts and attach the images. So it's not like Hootsuite where you would still have to go in and create that on your own and schedule it. It literally pulls stuff from the article that you wrote out, creates the micro post from it. And the artificial intelligence secret sauce behind it is it will then randomize the post order with the right keywords based on the time that you have the most engagement on your social platforms and auto post at those times. So that has been a godsend for me because anytime I write a blog post now, that's the first thing I do is it immediately goes over to lately and they create all of that. And then I'll run it with different, I'll run it for two weeks, you know, twice a week and just on all of the different channels. And that has saved me a ton of time, but it's tough, man. You know, I tell people, and this goes back like 15, almost 20 years ago, I, I, I saw 
a um, in, in, in a podcast interview that I did, Kyle, with Bernie Borges when his book mm-hmm. had first come out, Marketing 2.0. And mm-hmm. I was all in on the social game from day one. Like I saw the writing on the wall. This is the way that you're going to be able to get out there. You're going to be able to actually cut your marketing budget if you do this the right way. And it's tough to do business to business, especially the kind of business that we want to target on social. But I made a comment that I still think rings true today. I just read the the um, read through the the printed version of that podcast. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and I and I told everybody in that interview that I felt like that you needed to have an active LinkedIn presence to have professional credibility, but you needed to have an active Facebook presence to have social credibility. And you need to have a healthy balance of the two if you're going to be in sales because people want to make sure that you're professional, but they also want to be able to react to you on a human level. And I think so many times you know, we pri- try and privatize that and we don't want to, we don't want to show that. And quite honestly, you know, I've got friends that have no business on social media because they're absolute train wrecks. I mean, these are people mm-hmm. that I would hire, you know, th- th- that I would hire to come in and work in my organization if it weren't for their social presence. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not about um, stifling free speech. Let me be very clear about that. But if you make free speech that is against the core values of my organization, I have every right in the world to not bring you into my organization because you're not yep. going to fit the megs. And so I think yeah, you have to be can, careful, man. I think you have to be careful. You can have more. free speech, but you also have to realize that there's repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or that speech. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So listen, we got about five minutes before we're going to wrap up. What haven't we touched on? This is your This is your opportunity to bring anything to the forefront you want to. Oh, man. What haven't we touched on? Uh, well, that one time at band camp. No, uh, Wasn't American Pie based in Michigan? I think it was. Yeah, Northern Michigan, where they yeah. they vacationed. Yep. Yeah, I believe that it was. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. That might. Uh, <laughs> trying to think. My kids now are nineteen, sixteen, seventeen. Is it more awkward? To, is it more awkward to watch it with them when they understand it or when they don't? You know. It's so funny because, you know, Ethan is a massive Billy Madison slash Happy Gilmore fan to the point that he has both movies completely memorized. You never know what is going to come out of the kid's mouth. And he has zero filter. We were sitting at dinner last night and Annie said something to him and he didn't like it. He looked at it and he goes, thank you very much, Miss Lippy. <laughs> and I just lost it. I'm like, I'm like zero resource to my wife at that point because how could you I'm be? Thinking, yeah, like this is a proud parenting moment. My yeah. kid knows every word to <laughs> Billy Madison. Like last week he came in and he's like, hey, I'm going to go pee my pants because pee in your pants is the coolest. Like, <laughs> the coolest. All the I kids my age gotta, are pee in their pants. <laughs> uh, you got to start filtering some other classics to him so he can pick up some uh, good lines. He's got Tommy Boy. He's got Billy Madison. He's got Happy Gilmore. We just introduced the Water Boy, so that'll be good for a while. It'll take oh. him. It'll take him a few months yeah, that, to get that like, one down. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, we don't know what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, oh, man. What a piece of work. It's awesome. Just don't make him watch that uh, little Nicky movie from. No. Yeah. You know, no, Sandler I wasn't a big was hot fan and of cold, man. Yeah, he was so I hot agree. and cold with his stuff. Like, yep. Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Waterboy. Then he had that other one, Bulletproof, I think, that was pretty decent with Damon Wayne. Big Daddy was good. Yeah. Big Daddy was, was pretty decent. But then he had some that were just absolute. Yeah. Just, yeah. I watched what, about what 10 minutes of Little Nicky. I was like, mm. yeah. But then he anyways. got into the, you know, he kind of transferred into the romantic comedy yeah. things with 50 First Dates. And, that was yeah. a good movie. And, uh, that was a good movie. Yeah, those were good. What's the yeah. one with, um, God, I just watched it, man, with, with him and Jennifer Aniston and uh, Brooklyn Decker. Oh, where they go on vacation? Yes, I just watched or, it too, and I don't remember Elise, what it Elise is. Knows. I don't remember the name. God, yeah, I just so watched stupid. that the other night. It's a good one. Anyways. Um, just one other quick thing on that social media that I did forget. One of the things that I started doing recently is Facebook, and, and they don't, and mobile, it's not good, but on, on the computer, you can look at your, your business feed of other businesses that you like. Mm. And then, so what I've started to do is try to take, 10, 15 minutes to scroll through that every day and comment on things as the business. 
Um, so especially if you have one that has a lot of activity with other people commenting, you can get in there and it's, you know, local people that see. Um, so it's not your page, but it's, you know, other businesses page and the other businesses love it because what's the, the worst thing is when you put a post up and then it just crickets and no oh, one, yeah. you know, no one likes comments. basically every single so, post that I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you're not personal posts. Yeah, you're you're not consistent with it, man. You're not on there a ton posting. You're more of no. an Instagram dude. Yeah, yeah, totally. But people just don't like my uh, shit. That's fine. Whatever. Well, dude, okay. I'm number one, much number on one, Instagram. I'm, your wife. I'm is more doing, of a Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, your your wife is doing the majority of the family posting with fifty yeah, thousand hash marks every time. I know. I, know. I just post shit Tagging that I think you. is funny or whatever, and it is what it is. Uh, just go with it. By the way, is the name of the movie for all those listeners yes. out there that were screaming at oh, me. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yep, I yep. remember it. Yeah, Good I'll movie. tell you another movie that was somewhat vulgar in the language, but it was the. Um, oh, well, great. I'm going to completely forget the name of it now. It was the wrong something. It's a Netflix movie. Like the wrong. It, her name wasn't Stacy. It was something. Not an Adam but, Sandler movie. No, it was David Spade. Where like. He had this mm. blind date with this girl, did not get along with her at all, then accidentally called that. and invited her on this vacation trip together, and she showed up and thinking it was him, like, really wanting her to be there. Like, it was actually a really good movie. It was funny, but it was a bit it was a bit looter than what I would watch in front of my kids, I would say. Right. Sure. That's the, anyway. that's the late night stuff. Yeah, the one we took the kids to, which I thought was going to be great for them, which really wasn't. Uh, and I, again, I'm horrible with the names, but it's with, uh, you know, David Spade and Adam Sandler. Grownups? Um, Grownups, yeah. Yeah. Grownups was, uh, yeah, that was a little rough for my 12-year-old or a little embarrassing, I guess, for me when the 12, she loved it, but. Right. Yeah, Caroline, Caroline is seven and probably thinks like a 12 to 14-year-old. She's just like, <laughs> she's amazing how much smarter she is than the three boys. <laughs> and she would have she would have picked up on everything like daddy right. what's this mean with her list like, oh. and she knows like she knows from body language exactly the wrong question to ask so yeah well listen it's noon i want to be respectful of your time man this has been a good rap session i appreciate you coming on um i'm not even no, going to encourage great. anybody to follow you because i'm not going to put pressure on you but that's op- that's up to you if they want to find you where can they find you uh, well, you know, Facebook, obviously I do have LinkedIn, not super active on it, but, uh, you know, I click on it every once in a while and see that I have a bunch of, uh, messages. Um, but yeah, there are, you know, obviously Facebook's probably the best place to reach out to me. Cool. Good deal. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Everybody have a great week. We'll holler at you soon and see you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 